Thank you for joining us live on Paranormal Hour. If you have a question or just have a great story you want to share with everybody, please call in at 1-718-766-4119. Sit back and enjoy the show. I'm on today with uh, 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 Dark Side Paranormal. Sorry about the delay there. And uh, I believe I'm talking to Justin here. And uh, Justin, um, I'm going to start off the show by asking you, uh, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. It's been a uh, pretty busy year for us so far and uh, got nothing but great things coming in the future. Ah, that's good. That's good. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, dark side paranormal before we really get into it? Tell everybody what, exactly what it is you do a little bit. All right. Well, dark side paranormal. We kind of set ourselves apart. Uh, we're actually based out of the Orlando, Florida area, and kind of what makes us a little bit different is instead of just going in and doing the actual investigations, ninety percent of what we do is actually um, private homes, private residences, private businesses, and things of that nature where we'll go in and we'll do an investigation of claims. And then after the investigation, if we do happen to find something, we will also bless and cleanse that particular home or that property, uh, depending on if it's needed by the homeowner. Um, so uh, do you find that more houses are haunted than, like, abandoned buildings or anything like that, or, like, estates, like uh, abandoned hospitals or abandoned nursing homes? Anytime you have an abandoned place, you're definitely going to have uh, a lot of energy. Um, but in our experience uh, down here in Florida, because we really don't have any abandoned buildings left, we only have a few here and there, um, 90% of what we get is actually homes and residences. But it's also about whatever happened on that land before that particular building was built. And we've been noticing a lot lately that, um, especially down here with the, with the history that is in central Florida, we have a lot of these home developments that are being built, and even though they've been built, you know, five or six years ago, when we go in, we'll find hints of evidence here and there, and then come to find out this uh, particular land was a spot where um, an old hospital or, you know, something of that nature was built. So that energy that's still trapped and left around, instead of just wandering aimlessly throughout, like, you know, the, the wilderness or whatever, the woods, it actually will find a place pick that out, and then all of a sudden it kind of takes, I don't want to say it takes territory over it, but it'll definitely want to stick more into an actual structure than just kind of like floating around. Now, do you find like most of the things are residual hauntings or intelligent hauntings? Most of the things that we've come across have been kind of residual. Uh, we have had a few um, fully active haunts where uh, a lot of the equipment that we use is basically just to try to see if we can pick out actual, true, intelligent hauntings and get some kind of responses. Um, prime example, we actually have uh, 
a haunt down in St. Cloud that we usually do every once in a while that uh, used to be an old bank. And the building's roughly about 105 years old now. And we've actually uh, walked in, and instead of getting a lot of the things that you usually get with a residual haunting, whether it be uh, the shadow or the mist passing through a wall or walking down a hallway, um, we actually have a few pieces of equipment. One of the best things that we just got, uh, it's called a Boo Buddy. And it actually acts as a, a REM pod that will actually speak out. So it responds to touch. If anything touches it, you know, the boo bear will say, ooh, that tickles, or ooh, it's cold in here if the temperature drops. So it has all these sensors on it. And we've actually been getting a lot where we'll we'll be like, hey, will you go and touch the bear, or are you still here with us? And then all of a sudden we'll hear a response from the boo buddy, which kind of indicates to us that, it it could be coincidence, but every time we ask a question, within 10 seconds, we're getting a response. So we have been getting a lot more um, a lot more true haunting, so to speak, instead of residuals. Um, I want to say probably about a – it used to be about maybe 70-30 where we would get 30% of them being intelligent hauntings, and now it's, I want to say it's probably about 50-50. How long have you been uh, doing this? I've been into the paranormal probably for about 15 years now. Um, I did start a group up in New Orleans uh, with uh, another person, and we had that group up there since 2009, I believe. And we did it professionally from 2009, and then we came down here in 2012. And once we came down here into Florida, kind of restructured a little bit, I started my own group down here. And we've been doing that since 2011. Now, um, you find any, like, New Orleans, you were just talking about New Orleans, you find that place to be a little more haunted than, like, places you're at now, or is it about the same? New Orleans is literally, they call it the city of the dead for a reason. And especially after Katrina, um, especially with talking to a lot of the groups up there, the activity up there jumped up at least six or seven notches after Katrina blew through because just all that energy that came in through the storm, plus you have the added depths on top of that. It's just, it's one of those places that if anybody is, is into the paranormal, it's one place that you guys definitely want to go and visit because I guarantee you, even just walking through the first quarter at night, you're going to have an experience. Um, it's very rich in history. And of course, you know, the voodoo and everything like that that goes on. It's it's just very rich. It's very, very active. And even in some cases, during the middle of the day, you're walking down a street, you happen to be walking down. Um, one of the craziest things is uh, there's a little side street. It's called Conti, and it actually links Decatur Street, Bourbon Street, you know, all those streets down in there. And when you're walking down a couple particular buildings that are abandoned at this particular point in time, you can actually, you know, look through the windows and you can all, not only feel but you can almost see somebody looking back at you. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a crazy city in the sense that the amount of energy that is in there, you don't get a lot of the evidence that you think you would, but you definitely get the stories. 90% of the stories have been backed up by not only residents, but other uh, scientific people as well. So you have a lot of that, that energy that just kind of like floats around and it has nothing better to do. So what better, you know, way to spend your time than kind of like they people watch us. So even during, even in the corporate, you definitely find that in Orlando and a couple of the other cities um, that I've been, especially Ybor city, you still have the history, but it's not as uh, 
I don't want to say a traumatic because that's really not a fair word, but you have more of of just a, a natural history where if there is things that happen here, it's almost like a battlefield where you're going to have the, the residuals of, you know, every once in a while, especially in Gettysburg and the Alusti battlefield. I've seen this a couple times as well, where you'll actually see soldiers marching in a line, you know, going from one tree line to the next. And you know it's residual because pretty much like clockwork, you can set your watch to it, you're you're going to see that. Um, one of the prime examples is uh, up in, uh, it's right south of uh, Chattanooga in Ringgold, Georgia. They actually have, that's where my wife, uh, my wife's family lives. And they have a couple of really nice battlefields up there. They got the Chickamauga battlefield. And every once in a while, you can actually, even during the daylight, you can either feel like there's something passing by you if you happen to be walking on one of the battlefields and, you know, Right about dusk, you can actually start seeing the shadows going from places to places. So, you know, you have that the the history and you have the residuals. But as far as the intelligent hauntings, it's New Orleans is probably about three to four times more likely to have that actual true active haunting just because of all the the, the energy that happens up in the air. You know, not only the just the regular positive energy, but a lot of the negative energy as well. So, I mean, it... it it's definitely a more lively city compared to it, but pretty much anywhere you go in the United States nowadays, it seems like you'll be able to get some kind of a really good haunting, whether it be a residual or or a um, an actual intelligent haunting. It sounds like uh, everybody who does paranormal investigating needs to go there because <clears throat> it sounds like it's a good it, place to go. It is. It's a it's a really nice city. You know, they have the Shaman Battlefield, which is a really nice place. And I mean, it's it's also good to take the families. You know, don't let Bourbon Street scare you. You know, the aquariums out there. You have the Garden District. You have a rich history. They have the history tours, the World War II Museum, uh, which is another place that when I was up there, I actually got to work part time. And a lot of the relics that they have up there are actual true relics that were used during the war. You know, they have a couple. Uh, they have a C forty seven that's hanging up. And every once in a while, if you're walking by, you can actually see it looks like somebody's sitting in the back of that C-47, even though you know nobody can get to it because it's suspended from the ceiling. So, you know, you, you definitely have that history, and you definitely have enough to back up the fact that no matter where you go, you're going to have some kind of an experience. Whereas as far as other cities, um, I've, I've been to Savannah, and I've been to St. Augustine, and very rich histories, but also at the same time, they, they really haven't had the... Um, I guess I'm going to go ahead and call it trauma. They haven't had the trauma that New Orleans has had, you know, especially after Katrina. I had the brief privilege of in 2000, I went to New Orleans on vacation to kind of hang out for a little while. And it was it was okay, you know, nothing really bad happened. Did a couple of the ghost tours, didn't have anything happen to me. But now all of a sudden when you come back after after Katrina, when I was there in 2006, everything definitely jumped up a notch. So it was kind of like, it was basically a buffet for pretty much any paranormal investigation team that was up there. And it kind of still is. I have a caller. Are you willing to take a question? Absolutely. Uh, caller, you're on the line. How are you guys doing today? Doing Fantastic. Good. Okay, my first question for you was, is, do you use spirit boxes? We do. Uh, we, uh, right now we have an SB7 spirit box. We're still kind of waiting to get the SB11. Um, we use the SB7 uh, spirit box. We also use some Ovulus. Um, there's some other equipment out uh, by a couple, uh, especially Huff Paranormal has 
some wonderful products that they've put out that we're kind of waiting to get our hands on. Um, but, yeah, we do a lot of that. We try to kind of stay away from it just a little bit because, um, especially being a chaplain, it's kind of like we have to be kind of careful just so we don't get that retaliation just because we are of a religious background and we're from the church that, you know, if if we do make contact, we're opening up a door and we have no clue who we're talking to. It could say it's a seven-year-old girl and it turn out to be, you know, a demonic presence, which nine times out of ten that usually happens. Yeah, awesome. And my second question is I've heard of people saying that when you're out on an investigation, you can actually bring something home with you from it. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you actually can. Um, when I was a little, uh, I don't want to say foolish, but when I was a little younger, uh, on a few different occasions, I've actually had things follow me home. And at that particular point, it's kind of like one of those things you have to either go back to where uh, you you investigated, where you think you got this thing from, and kind of just tell it, be like, hey, nope, you know what? You have to stay here. You cannot follow me. Don't attach yourself to me. You have to go. Nine times out of ten, that works. Um, when we go on investigations, before we even step foot onto the property or into the place, uh, we always anoint our heads with holy oil. We always do the protection prayers. Um, the Paranormal Warriors of St. Michael has a really wonderful page out that has a lot of the different prayers that you can do for pre-investigations, post-investigations. So we try to protect ourselves as much as possible. Now, that's not that every time you go somewhere, you're going to pick up an evil energy. Because one of the first investigations I ever did, I had something come back with me. And, I mean, I it, it sounds kind of weird to say this, but I loved having that thing around because I would sit there and if one of my friends were over and I was telling about paranormal investigations, like, yeah, you know, it happens all the time. And all of a sudden the laundry room light would come on and then it would go off. And then I'd be like, do it again. And then it would turn back on. And, you know, I kind of felt bad because I was making it do parlor tricks. But at the same time, you can always have you always have that opportunity. And it doesn't even have to be on an investigation. If you just happen to be passing by somewhere and there's an energy that just happens to be around, if if there's something about you that it likes, if, if you're giving off a lot of light energy and it's like, you know, I kind of like being around this person, there's a chance that it could always attach itself to you. So it doesn't really have to be on an investigation, but on an investigation, it definitely um, hypes up. That's why um, anytime we go on an investigation, we always protect ourselves. And even before we leave, you know, uh, I always recite in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, you must stay here. You cannot follow us. And then we'll make sure that we do the closing prayers for retaliation um, and all those kind of things as well. So don't let it, you know, deter you from actually going out and doing the investigations because that's the only way that things are going to get proven or disproving is by people that take that initiative that, that want to go out and they, they want to, you know, either experience it and get the knowledge to try to figure out exactly what it is or, you know, they just want to go. There's a lot of people out there that are thrill seekers. And it's not that we we condone that because really we don't. But a lot of times, you know, to get the point across that, you know, there is something there, science has even proven it. Sometimes skeptics, you know, they have to have their experience before they can believe that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for answering that question. Andy, do I have time to ask one more? Absolutely. Okay, my next question, I don't know how to put it, so it might be kind of weird, but let's, like, you watch the ghost hunting TV shows, right? Let's say, is that is that really how it happens when you go out and ghost hunt? Or it's, investigate? 
it's definitely dramatized for TV just a little bit, but um, a lot of the evidence that they capture, and you know, I'm, I'll never say anything bad about the, the the Ghost Adventures crew, the Ghost Hunters crew, because they are really pretty much the pioneers. They're the ones that basically gave us the 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 green light to go ahead and and you know continue and pursue the field without being criticized like like we used to. But there are some things that are you know, over dramatized and there are some things that I kinda have a little a little inkling of, nah, maybe that quite didn't happen quite that way. But at the same time, you know, they're out there and they are getting the evidence and they're getting evidence that nobody can debunk. You know, there's uh nine or ten different groups around the United States alone that every time Ghost Adventures Ghost Adventures has a show, they re go through that entire taping and double check and they run it to make sure, you know, through different filters to make sure that there's no CGI involved or there's no this, that, and the other. So it does happen that way. Um, a lot of the freakouts, um, <laughs> I've had a few people uh, kind of freak out like that on me a couple times when they've been touched or, you know, they've heard a growl. But, you know, it's definitely dramatized, but that's pretty much kind of how it happens, just a little bit more toned down. Okay, well, thanks for answering my great, great questions, and I'll get back to listening to this awesome show. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. So, um, before we get into everything, what kind of equipment do you take? What, what, what would be your basic kit that you would take out to investigate, like, let's say, a home? Yeah, the basic kit that we take out is, number one, we have what's called our blessing and cleansing kit, and that basically holds rosaries, um, some blessed objects, holds a couple different prayer books, um, it definitely holds my Bible. Um, we also carry with us frankincense and myrrh, holy oil, and, um, you know, burning coals, uh, lots of holy water, just in case if we ever needed to do a blessing or a cleansing, we also have it. But as far as the actual equipment, right now the only thing that we have, because um, unfortunately we had a few pieces of equipment that uh, either A, grew legs and walked away on us, or has, has broken, we actually have um, three cameras right now that are actually... Um, the same thing as a gro as a GoPro, just not the exact um the exact GoPro brand. But we have two that are modified for full spectrum. And then we have probably about six or seven really nice high powered lights. And we also have one regular full uh full spectrum camera that we use that we can actually just walk around with. We have two EMF detectors, we have one um one Obulus device. We also have one SB7 spirit box. We have the Boo Buddy, which is absolutely phenomenal. If anybody has the means, I definitely recommend getting them. They have them at the uh, the Ghost Stop. Um, you can uh, Google the website and really phenomenal piece of equipment. It's basically an extra uh, investigator. We can take that, set a camera on it, or set a EVP recorder down, and then walk away from that room, and we never have to go back in there because it's doing everything for us. And then we also have um, two EMF detectors right now. Uh, we used to have a millimeter, but unfortunately that grew legs on us and walked away. But uh, that's kind of pretty much it, and that needs to be on the safe side. So how do you determine what places you're going to investigate over, let's say, other people's? Um, uh, like, a lot of times the first thing that we do is, like, say if we get an email or we get a phone call and they're like, hey, we got something weird going on at the house, you know, we may need help. Um, anytime it involves children, even if it, it sounds way too exaggerated, we are always going to take that first. They always get bumped up to the top of the list. 
But a lot of times what we'll do is uh, we'll sit down with a phone interview with them and we'll get the claims and we'll kind of just get a feeling for the person, you know, to see how it is. And if we can tell that they're being genuine or they're generally scared when we ask them certain questions about activity, then what we'll do is we'll set up an actual face-to-face interview. Once we get the face-to-face interview uh, going, then we'll do a walkthrough if we happen to be at their particular uh, residence. We'll do a walkthrough of the residence and just see if we can happen to pick up on anything. Um, none of us are sensitive by any means. But usually when you're walking through a building, if you kind of get the little the hair standing up on your arms and things like that, it's usually a good indication that there may be something going on. we got to check it out. And then once we do that, then we'll actually do a, a parcel investigation, which is usually only about a two to two-and-a-half-hour investigation, uh, just to see if we happen to get anything right off the bat. If we're using the SB7 spirit box and we get you know, complete sentences, of course, right away we're going to shut down and we're immediately going to go into full investigation mode. So it, it takes a few different steps. Like right now I have 11 uh, investigations on hold because I'm waiting for them to get back to me. Um, and I've had a couple of them that have been claiming that they've had stuff flying off the walls and this, that, and the other. And then I say, okay, well, let's go ahead and set up an interview so we can talk about it, and then I never hear from them again. So, you know, you do have those people that kind of do that, but also at the same time, we want to give them peace of mind. So we always take, anytime somebody calls us with any type of claims, we always take it seriously. And then as it goes through, if we start to see holes in the story, or if they happen to send us a photo that you can definitely tell has been Photoshopped uh, at that particular time, uh, we'll just nicely say, hey, you know, we you know, we happen to feel that the, this, this is not a paranormal problem. You should be okay, you know. If it does persist, give us a call, and then we'll come out and we'll meet with you. And usually about that time, once we kind of kind of put that persistence of we need to meet you, then they usually either A, go away, or B, they'll, they'll contact us and be like, look, sorry, you know, we did this. And unfortunately, we have a lot of cases where it's either, you know, people just trying to get that attention or uh, people that just want to be on, you know, so-called TV so they'll call us up and they'll be like, "Hey, you filming this? Are you gonna film it?" And at that particular time, we're like, "You need to talk to somebody else about it." Yeah. Do you ever think uh, certain things trigger hauntings? Over, like, uh, do you think certain people or certain things people do will trigger uh, events to happen and continue to happen? We've actually had a few cases where um, it hasn't been the residents at all. It's actually been the people, I mean, whether it be uh, a family member that's kind of attached themselves to a person or um, I, hate, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm preaching, but I'm not. But, you know, basically you got to look at it like there are doors that are always closed and those doors lead to anything on the other side, whether it be, you know, a good spirit, a bad spirit, um, anything malevolent, anything that's that's protective. And what happens is is sometimes those doors get opened. And it can be as something simple as, you know, a basic sin, a lie, um, you know. Uh, Adultery, anything like that. And once those doors are open, anything can come in. And a lot of times if it's, if, if it's open and it's open by that person and that person allows that door to stay open, then it's going to attack itself to the person. And we've actually had a couple – cases where we've actually had to do, you know, prayers for deliverance, and we actually had to get the Catholic Church involved on one. Because they just, they, they wouldn't let it go, and it was so it was so attached and so adhered to this person that it was literally killing them. So, you know, it can definitely 
uh, get involved with that person. And what we've noticed is actually this year, uh, ever since the movie Ouija came out, and this is kind of like my biggest pet peeve of all, um, this year's Christmas bestseller was the Ouija board. And I want to say probably from December 29th until about February 18th or 19th, I had about 345 emails and probably well over four dozen voicemails about people having activity. And so, you know, you have these people that that think it's a game, and unfortunately it's just not because, you know, the the conjuration that you say before you, you know, play with a board is actually a a door-opening seance. And then once that happens, you're trying to communicate with something, anything can come through. Nine times out of ten when that happens, instead of being strictly at that residence or at that building, at that, you know, uh, apartment, whatever it may be, it, it's going to go with that person because that person is the one that opened up the door. It's the one that made first contact, so to speak. So we've, we've seen that a lot. Um, it seems to happen, well, now it's happened a little bit more, but we actually saw a decrease of it. Uh, about a year and a half ago, where a lot of the things that we would do when we would actually do the blessings and cleansings of the homes, it would be gone and it never returned. You know, we'd call them three months later, hey, how's everything going? And they would have absolutely no activity. And now, with everybody starting to get back in, doing the different things that they're doing, uh, we've noticed that we can do a blessing and cleansing of a home, and then the activity picks up because the activity, whatever happens to be attached to this entity, is extremely upset that, you know, they were almost gotten rid of, so they're going to amp it up. Well, the problem is it wasn't attached to the residence. It was attached to the person. And then that's a completely different story. That takes a lot longer and, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of finesse, so to speak, to try to get that thing to bail out of Dodge. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Ouija boards, and <clears throat> you kind of answered it. Uh, you're not a toy, so... Um, yeah. What got you into the paranormal investigating? What 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 made you want to pursue this and do this? Um, I've always kind of been interested because I used to live in a home uh, that had a lot of activity, and it was nothing bad. But you know, you'd hear the doors open and close. You'd see the shadow walking down the hallway, and it kind of always it never really scared me, so to speak. It always kind of intrigued me. I was like, you know, I want to find out what that is. And so it, that was pretty much at a young age, and we're from like 8 to 10. And then what really kind of set it off is um, I had um, my best friend and uh, my lieutenant actually died in a house fire in 2002. And it really, you know, not only me, but everybody else that was on my crew at the time, it really hurt. It really hit us hard. And, you know, there's a lot of us that still really haven't gotten over their deaths. And um, probably about a year later, um, I was at a house fire, and we were the second arriving engine, so we went in and uh, started doing the secondary search and rescue. And as we were rounding one of the corners to go into one of the back bedrooms, um, I lost my partner, and he was no longer on my heels, so I didn't know where he went to. So I figured he was just staying at the door. So I went in and tried to continue my my, uh, search around the room, and the smoke level was already down to the floor, couldn't see. It was really, really hot. I knew we had to get out of there, and uh, I just kept going around in circles in the room because, unbeknownst to me, uh, part of the roof had collapsed, and it actually blocked me into the room. And the only way out was through a hole that was actually created 
by the dropping of the, the part of the roof. So I'm sitting there going around in circles, and I had no clue. I thought that I was on my way out, and in reality, I was just going around in circles. So I did this for about two or three minutes, and I had no clue what was going on. And uh, I couldn't find my partner, kept screaming for him. I couldn't find him, and I was just about to hit my emergency button on my radio and call out my mayday, and I had somebody tap me on the shoulder and be like, dude, what are you doing? It's this way. I was like, oh, okay, no problem. So I ended up following him out. Well, unbeknownst to me at the time, they had already called for an evacuation of the house because they had seen the roof start to collapse. My partner had heard the call, and thinking that I was going to go ahead and turn around and go straight back with him, he followed the hose line out. So for about seven minutes, I was in that house by myself, and they were frantically looking for me because they had no clue where I was. I came out on the back side of the house, walked around, and I was like, hey, who, wait, where'd my partner go? And my partner was sitting on the rescue with his jacket off, you know, thinking that I was dead inside, when in reality, I had somebody take me out, and there was nobody else that could have been because everybody else was accounted for, you know, standing in front of the first two engines, and I was by myself, and I really wholeheartedly believe wholeheartedly believe that, you know, that was my old lieutenant. Basically kind of saving my butt. And ever since then, I've been like, I, I need to prove this. And so ever since then, it's kind of uh, been instilled with me. But it wasn't until I moved up to New Orleans after Katrina that me and another firefighter kind of got into it. And then me and uh, one of the officers that I used to work with um, finally got into it. And that's where, when we were at work at a few nights, uh, we'd noticed that we would do um, fire watches and security work for a building. And up on the fifth floor is where we'd have all the all the different things going on where you'd hear the footsteps on the hallway and there'd be nobody there. So we wanted to investigate it. And from there, it just kind of snowballed and took off. Yeah, my brother, he's a, um, a chief on the Philadelphia Fire Department. And <clears throat> he was telling us, telling me a story about a, a building that collapsed, a fireman that was in there. And he was digging for him, and he turned around, and the guy was sitting, standing behind him, uh, sitting on the bumper of the fire truck. And my my brother went up to him and says, well, how did you get out here? You were just in there. He goes, he goes, when the building started collapsing, and he fell, he said he saw two people coming, like grabbed him, and carried him out and set him out on the, the curb by the, on the street, and there was nobody did it. So... He, he, you know, he, he thinks he's very, my brother's had a lot of stories like that, too. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Yeah, especially up in Philly. Uh, my hat's off to those guys got blossom because they've had such a bad few years, especially with firefighter deaths. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, like that, there are some firefighters, you know, and there's, you know, the way that I look at it, the way I kind of try to put it in perspective is, you know, if this person was living their life, and it was a traumatic death, and they were not ready to die, you know, they're going to stay on and try to live their life out. Um, sometimes they know that they're dead. A lot of times they don't know that they're dead. And sometimes when the people, they know that they're dead, they still stick around. And when they're sticking around, they actually become like guardian angels. And, I mean, that's literally what I think happened is he decided that he was going to, you know, just be there to kind of watch after his crew and make sure everything was good. Do you uh, have you ever came across like a demonic type of entity in a house or anything like that? We've actually had a few. Um, we actually have a few different groups down here in Central Florida that anytime they have anything demonic whatsoever, because they know our background, they usually call us to kind of take over the case. So we've actually had in the past 
I want to say, year and a half, maybe 19, almost 20 months now, we've had probably about seven or eight actual true demonic hauntings where the people were getting scratched, poked, pulled, um, to the point where, you know, I had always thought that it was just a thing of the movies and it would happen. Uh, we actually witnessed a, a full-on levitation from somebody who was uh, being possessed. And it's just one of those things that, you know, we, we kind of contribute that to um, opening up those doors, uh, whether it be through playing with a Ouija board or, you know, some kind of seance, some kind of uh, a witchcraft or something like that. And when things like that happen, you know, it, it definitely comes out and it'll definitely come out in force and let you know. Um, a lot of times we've been to places where I would have my cross or my old water sitting on the table about two or three feet away from me and it would get thrown off the table. You know, I've actually seen it firsthand where uh, statues of Jesus have been knocked over by nobody that's been there. So, you know, it's definitely around. You know, you'll have the cases where they're claiming that they're smelling uh, a foul meat or something like that. Then you'll also hear cases where um, you'll see scratch marks on the people, bruises. Um, you'll actually see things, come, especially religious objects, come flying off the walls. You'll see, um, you know, all sorts of things, and you'll hear all sorts of things, the growls, um, sometimes a demonic voice. You'll definitely get charged by shadows. You'll definitely feel a very ominous presence kind of closing in on you. And it's it's been... Um, I, I hate to say this, but, you know, Revelations is definitely coming coming to toll right now because we've actually seen a pickup in the past six years of demonic cases that we've been, we've been handling. Have you ever come to a place that you were unable to help people? And then if you ever did, what would, what, what, how, what would you suggest that they do if you couldn't help them? Um, we've, knock on wood, we've been very, very lucky. Everybody that we've we've come in contact with, we have been able to help. But at that particular time, if we can't help them, then we definitely have to pass them off to the church. And once that happens, um, the diocese will get involved, and uh, they'll go through, they'll kind of take over the case, they'll send their professionals out, whether it be an exorcist or or something along those lines, and then they will go and actually take over uh, the entire case. So once they take everything over, um, you know, we kind of keep in touch and just kind of make sure, be like, hey, is everything okay? Um, you know, what else can we do? You know, how's the person holding up? And then that's the way it would happen. But like I said, um, knock on wood, and by the grace of God, we've been very successful. We haven't had anybody that's uh, been reattacked, so to speak. So, have you have you ever been scratched or anything? We actually had a case uh, up in uh, the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and I was uh, actually forced into a wall by this. the only thing that I can say is it literally felt like a Clydesdale horse had hit me and pushed me into the wall. And it actually knocked me apparently about seven foot uh, from the center of the room into the wall, almost through an entire sheet of dry rock or sheet rock. Um, as far as the scratches, every once in a while I'll get scratched at certain locations, but it's it's only something that's, you know, kind of like maybe one scratch. Um, I have been scratched with the, the Mark of the Trinity a couple times at a couple of investigations. But luckily, besides that, that full force push, I've been lucky and, you know, my entire crew has been very lucky that uh, we have not been, you know, physically attacked. And I think one of the one of the biggest reasons for that is because before we even go in, we do have that protection. 
you know, we we say the different prayers of protection. Uh, we do our St. Michael prayer. We do the Lord's prayer. Um, we also will anoint each other with holy oil. We always have uh, some kind of a blessed object, whether it be a rosary, um, some kind of a St. Benedict medal or something on our persons at all times. So I think that that has a lot to do with, with the protection that we actually have. Have you ever gone somewhere and were scared after you got there? <laughs> Anybody that says they don't get scared in this business, they're they're lying to you. Um, I've had a couple cases where I've walked into the place and I was like, okay, my happy-go-lucky feeling has left and I don't want to be here anymore. And usually at that particular time, we know that it's going to be a, a, a lively investigation, which it usually is. And, um, you know, at that particular point, you just have to kind of put the fear aside and just be like, okay, we've got to help these people. This is what we're going to do. And at that particular time, if any other crew ever gets that, you know, we make sure that we always go in teams of two. Nobody's ever left alone. We don't split uh, during an investigation in certain areas. Um, one of the one of the pretty much weirdest ones that we went on, even though the building's not there anymore, is uh, we used to have a, a, a mental institution called Sunland uh, Hospital that was over in our Pine Hills area. And the building was torn down a few years ago, but that place was very, very active. Um, they still have the underground tunnels that, that are there that kind of link everything. Granted, they're all welded shut now. But uh, there actually used to be an old... <laughs> an old administration building. The administration building used to uh, stand real close to the hospital. Once we throw the hospital down, they think that everything went into the administration building because you would be literally standing by the door and you would feel something slam against the door full force to try to knock you over. So ever since they've torn those down, now it's a playground, which is funny because there's never anybody in this park. Uh, Just walking through the park, it got to the point where we were literally standing almost back to back to make sure nothing would come up behind us because we actually had that much um, of a feeling of, you know, something's going to happen. Something's going to come from somewhere. And it was almost, it wasn't even by the time we had these things going on. So there's definitely the the times that we've kind of thought that, okay, well, we need more protection or, you know, maybe we should have done this. Maybe we should have had more people. But at that particular time, it's kind of like, well, we're here. We've got to get it done. Let's get to it. Hmm. And that was a, that's a playground that they built there, you said? Yeah, there's a playground. Um, it's not the, the greatest area. <laughs> and I'm more scared of some of the people, the, the ghosts, but it's it's definitely an active place. Like, there are places um, up in the Mississippi Gulf Coast, um, a couple of the cemeteries over there that uh, – have been desecrated that really need to be uh, re-consecrated because going into a cemetery, I usually get that feeling of, you know, that kind of like you're being watched, but also it's kind of like that curiosity of what's going on where I've had a couple of cemeteries that I've went into and my old partner, his famous line, and it used to make me so mad when he said it because the minute he said it, the atmosphere would change on a dime. And he'd be like, you know, we're holding this equipment. You can come up and talk to us. We can't see you. And then the minute he would say that, you would just feel everything just like come right at you. And it used to it used to really get me because it used to creep me out so bad because you can feel these things like literally breathing on your neck. And it was kind of like there's nothing you can do because now you're here. you got to finish the investigation. So it's kind of like, uh, well, what do we do now? You know. And then, then it would kind of go into um, – not really a, a panic mode, but more of a preparation mode where we would make sure we have everything. I'd hold on to a, 
bottle of holy water and just have the top open, just waiting to start throwing it everywhere because we thought for sure we'd be in for a little bit of a fight. But knock on wood, we've never been in something so serious where uh, we've literally had to run for our lives. So knock on wood, not yet. (laughs) If somebody has a problem at their home and they can't get a hold of anybody to help them, do you have any suggestions for those people? Um, one of the main suggestions uh, that I kind of tell people, especially after we leave, if they choose not to do the blessings and cleansings, um, I'll usually write down a prayer for them to say if the activity starts to get uh, get bad. Um, I'll just try to tell them, to be like, you know, a lot of times you just got to be forceful. You know, you got to sit there and let them know, hey, this is my house. It's not your house. You're not welcome here. You need to go. And then if that doesn't work, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, you must leave at this time. You can't be here anymore. You are not wanted here. You are not welcome. And usually um, with the homeowners themselves being forceful because they're actually taking that that um, dominant role, so to speak, nine times out of ten, it'll it'll be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I guess I got to go now. So it'll take off. But uh, we do have certain situations where the homeowners um, kind of just don't want to get rid of it, so they'll keep on opening that door, and they keep wondering why the activity keeps getting stronger, why the activity is is amplified. And the reason is, is because, you know, you've tried to get rid of it, or you've had us come in and try to get rid of it, then you open up the door. You know, it's kind of like the, the old saying of the bad boyfriend, you know. If, if you keep on inviting him back, he's going to be doing not only the same things, but it's going to amplify because, you know, you try to get rid of him once, and now you call him back. Now he thinks he can get away with anything because you're never going to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, would you mind sharing, like, one of your favorite investigations with us? One of my absolute favorite investigations, and my wife's going to kill me for this because it's one that she actually kind of got scared in. We actually did a building um, down here in Central Florida that was actually – it's used uh, – as an event center, and they do a lot of weddings there um, twice a month. They do a club night, and the history of the building goes back to, like, the early 1960s, and, you know, it was a restaurant and things like that. Well, the one red flag is that I got from the new owner of the building is, well, they used to have a wine cellar, but for some reason the wine cellar was either A, filled in or completely boarded up and shut out because the blueprints show that it's there. We, they can't find a door. They can't find a staircase. All they find is where the sheetrock actually goes from a sheetrock and a cement to an actual brick layout where you can actually tell that the building was built on or something was covered up. And um, we were actually there, and we kept hearing glasses moving behind one of the bars. And this is still during the daytime, and we were just doing basic interviews. And I sat there and I told him, I was like, would you mind if we just did a short investigation while we were here? And he's like, yeah, no problem. You know, go ahead. We'll turn off all the lights. Mm -hmm. So we turned off all the lights. We started the investigation, did everything that we needed to do, Mm -hmm. got everything situated. And then by the time everything was said and done, um, one of the pictures that we actually have on our Facebook page, um, I think I put it up on the website. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, My wife is standing there, and she's actually using uh, one of our pieces of equipment. And you can see behind her, it looks like there's a figure, uh, a full upper torso with its arm kind of on my wife's back and it's standing right there and it's kind of looking over the shoulder at the piece of equipment that she's holding. And uh, as soon as I snapped the picture, she just got really creeped out. She's like, I can't be here anymore. I was like, okay, do you want to leave? And she's like, no, let's let's keep on going. 
And uh, so we kept on going through. We kept snapping photos, got a couple shadows. Uh, we got a few um, little things here and there. The first time I ever brought my SP7 spirit box in there, we got an entire 15-minute conversation that we could not debunk because it was going through more than 12 different, you know, stations at the same time when we were scanning forward. So, and they were pretty much full conversations. And, you know, we were having a little bit of fun with it where, you know, we were asking if it was a, if it was a veteran, if it was a veteran getting hoorah, and, you know, you would hear hoorah come over the box. And um, at that particular time we were having fun with it. And I believe I asked it, I was like, well, you know, if you're really here, make yourself known. And as soon as I did that, a glass came flying off of one of the bars and actually landed into the middle of the room. And at that particular time, it caught me so off guard that I I will admit I screamed like a little girl <laughs> and I kind of caught my composure and I was like, don't ever do that again. And I sat there and I was like, but uh, there's, there's a video of it somewhere. I got to find it on one of my other computers. But um, it was just one of those investigations that is kind of like it, it made us ask a lot more questions and we got answers um, because there was no real history of the building, um, no deaths, uh, none of that. So now it's kind of like, well, what was that place before it was this building? You know, what was it? Was it a place where, you know, some bodies were dumped? Was it a place where a homeless camp was here and a couple homeless people passed away? You know, we just, we just don't know. But, you know, it was just one of my funnest investigations because I had the most positive activity, but it was just that one kind of like that little smart aleck, oh, you you want me to prove it? Here. And kind of like, you know, threw something at me. And it's like, you know, take that. So that was my fun, that was my funnest investigation and my favorite investigation because it actually caught me off guard. It it uh, it only spooked me a little bit. <laughs> I think that um, I uh, I would have done a little bit more than that. Uh, <clears throat> scream like a little girl. <laughs> so, so my wife like raised her hand. My wife raised her hands in the air and said, "I'm done," and just kind of like started walking away. And I'm like. All right, I guess I'm going to be in here alone for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it's it's it, it would scare me. <laughs> so what? Um, that, that sounds like a very interesting. That would have been a very interesting investigation. So uh, if people needed to get a hold of you, how would they go about getting a hold of you? Um, if they go onto Facebook, um, unfortunately, I kind of check my Facebook a little bit more regularly. But if they go on uh, Facebook and they search Dark Side Paranormal, three words, and then they just type in Orlando, Florida behind it, um, usually it'll pull us up. If it doesn't, it'll pull up a couple um, blogs or a couple of uh, posts, and then they can just get us from there. Um, they can also email us at dspinvestigators at yahoo.com. And then if they want to, they can go online to www.darksideparanormal dot yola site y o l a s i t e dot com and that's the web page and I'll hopefully be updating within the next couple of days here and those are usually the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, I suppose that if the, if you were unable to help me, you would know somebody that could probably help them also. I suppose. Exactly. You know, we um, right now due to financial um, problems, uh, just with not having any money coming in because we don't charge for our services. Uh, travel is, is a little, you know, few and far between, but we tried to uh, get at least as far as um, Georgia. We'll do Alabama if we can, um, Mississippi, South Carolina. 
Um, and if we ever happen to be up in the in the North Georgia area, we can also cover Tennessee as well. But um, if we can't uh, help because we can't go for any any reason, then we can always turn another group on that they can contact. Uh, we have a pretty decent network of a lot of groups that we know and trust. Um, the only people that we actually have contact with are groups that a um, are very ethical. B they don't charge for their services. You know, C they have a lot of different. Uh, aspects that, that make them a cut above the rest of the groups. So we definitely have a network that we can talk with and everything else. So no matter what, we'll be able to help out no matter where you are in the United States. Okay. Um, I, I just have a couple more quick questions. Uh, now, with your equipment that you use now, cameras, is there a certain kind of camera that works better than other cameras? I actually have had a lot of people say that they've caught more evidence on um, if it's a video camera, the old Hi8, the Sony Hi8. Um, for some reason, the magnetic strip seems to pick up a little bit more. Um, and then I've had a lot of people tell me that the digitals are fine. Um, to be 100% honest with you, I use a little uh, Panasonic, uh, one of the older models for my still cam. And I'm using, you know, like I said, I'm using the off-brand of the, uh, the GoPros, uh, which... I actually got for $160, and that's actually converted to full spectrum, and it actually includes a light um, that I use a lot of times. And it, it still gives the same thing. It's just one of those things that um, if it gives off enough energy to the point where you can capture it on film, and if you happen to be looking in that particular direction at the same time, uh, that's one of the main reasons why I like to use GoPros, because we can actually just strap it on our heads. Because a lot of times we'll see things out of the corner of, my, corner of our eyes, and if we can actually turn real quick, not only will our eyes pick it up, but the camera should pick it up as well. So, I mean, you don't have to go out and get a $5,000 camera. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, when I first started out, I was going to pawn shops, getting the Sony Hi8s that had night vision capabilities. And that's what we actually used for the first three years of the company. And, uh, you know, I still have a couple of them that I use today. I use them as uh, static cameras. So it, it really is kind of... Um, one of those, you know, kind of how much you want to spend type things. Now, there are some pieces of equipment out there that literally are worth their weight in gold. Um, one prime example is the Boo Buddy. Uh, we also have um, a couple other little pieces of equipment uh, that you can use. Um, Huff Paranormal uh, is out there. I kind of hope the guys are listening because I can't wait to get my hands on some of their equipment. And uh, they do phenomenal work. Uh, probably one of the best paranormal groups out there uh, at this particular point in time but they actually have a, a certain kind of like a spirit box that they use. Um, I want to say it's almost like a geophone where they're holding full conversations with five, six, seven different spirits at a time. So whatever they're doing, they're definitely doing right. Um, you know, of course, those are going to be a little bit more expensive because of the work that needs to go into them to get them that way. But, you know, just starting out, I mean, they, of course, have the little uh, ghost hunting kits that you can buy online for about $130, $140. And those are perfectly fine. I mean, really, the only thing that you need is you want some kind of a camera, you want some kind of a voice recorder, and a flashlight. And, I mean, that's really all I started out with when I first started, you know, uh, doing this amateurly, you know, almost 20 years ago. So it's really kind of... Um, up to you as far as you want to go. Now, there are groups out there that have uh, 30-cam DVR systems, and they have, you know, the FLIR uh, thermal imagers and all those kind of things, which that's great. You know, the more equipment, the better, because it gives you a better opportunity to catch stuff. But you really don't need it. Okay. Um, before I continue on my questioning, I just want the audience to know that 
if if we go offline, off air, you can catch the rest of the show in the archives. You can just go back and re-listen to it and look at the rest of the show. Because I have a few other questions here uh, for our guests. Um, first question, uh, the next question I have for you is, you ever find yourself out, like, on vacation somewhere and thinking this would be a great place to start an investigation? Or have you ever tried to do an investigation when you're on vacation? <laughs> that, that is my wife's biggest pet peeve about me because we'll actually go um, even just on uh, a, a day date over to the beach and I'll sit there and I'll pass a place and I'll be like, ooh, I want to investigate there. And then all of a sudden she's got to look at me and be like, um, vacation, off-duty, quit it. But I do that all the time. Building, and I'll just be like, you know what, I want to investigate there. And she'll be like, ah. <laughs> so she kind of has to put me on hold. But, yeah, I, I do that all the time, especially um, one of the last times I went over to Ybor City. Um, one of the guys I have that's on my team with me, um, I've known forever. He was actually a paramedic when I was a firefighter. And um, he, he's a great guy. He actually has a, a couple people that he knows over there that are uh, in some of the more historical buildings. And even just going over there, you know, just sitting around smoking cigars, relaxing, I'm always like, uh, what's the history of this building? And it's kind of like everybody kind of has to be like, ha, vacation, relax. And then kind of put me in charge. Always. That's the first thing. I sit there and I walk into a building and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there's something here. You know, I even I even uh, walk into, like, uh, the building that I work at now. And it's like, there's got to be something here. There's too many unexplained things that kind of happen. Come on and investigate. So you definitely always get that itch. It never really turns itself off. My next question is, is what do you think the uh, spirits, or whatever they are, are trying to do? Are they, they trying to communicate with us or trying to let us know something? Or What do you think they're trying to do? A lot of cases, um, I think that they're just trying to be heard. And, uh, you know, a lot of people out there that, that are sensitives or, or psychic or anything like that, um, once uh, an entity or something figures out, it's like, oh, wait, if I do this, you can see me. Or if I do this, you can hear me. You know, then a lot of them, a lot of times, I don't know exactly how it is on the other side, but, I mean, I understand that, you know, spirits can communicate with other spirits, but also at the same time, you got to think, is like, how, how few and far between is it before another spirit kind of moves into the path of this other spirit. So it might be one of those, you know, hey, I haven't talked to anybody in years. Hey, let's talk, you know. Kind of like the uh, the castaway, um, you know, the whole Wilson talking to, you know, talking to a volleyball. You know, it could be something as simple as, oh, I finally got somebody that can hear me. Hey, 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 I want to talk. Um, a lot of them, though, I, I tend to think that um, the, the way that they're trying to communicate with us is they, they're, they're trying to communicate that they want to be left alone. Um, especially um, in some of the older places, um, especially some of the homes. Um, it's kind of like if it's a home with a lot of history, they had somebody that, that built that building from scratch. You know, they built it from the ground up, and they, they have that pride. A new family moves in, and they take out two walls, or, you know, they, they repaint, or they, they do this, that, and the other. Um, it's kind of like, you know, what are you doing to my house? Do you not know what, what I put into this? You know, it's kind of like one of those, you know, you need to leave because you're, you're ruining what I created. So a lot of times it is it is a communication, whether it's good or bad, it's usually 50-50. But um, I really honestly think that percent of the spirits that are out there either, A, have no clue that they're dead and they're just trying to trying to reclaim their lives or just trying to, trying to you know, live their lives as, as regular as possible. 
and there are some that just they know they're dead, but they're they're just there because they're afraid of the judgment. You know, they they don't want to face that judgment. So you feel that uh, you also feel that like remodeling a home could trigger activity. Absolutely, um, a lot of the cases that we've had where it's been a historic home, anything you know, even as something as recent as a twenty-five to thirty-year-old home, you know, if the original homeowner you know, put so much work, so much time, so much effort into this house. And somebody, I kind of look at it like the, the, the Beetlejuice effect is kind of what I call it. You know, you have this beautiful home that was built by this couple and, you know, they put their blood, sweat, and tears into it and exactly what they want. And then all of a sudden you have this other family that come in and just, you know, in their eyes, totally destroy the place. It's going to make them mad and they're going to kind of get aggravated. Well, do you have anything uh, you want to tell the audience before we go? Um, mainly the the first thing is, is if you're having these problems, number one, you're not alone. There are people out there that can help you. Um, if it's not us, there are hundreds of great groups out there that will show compassion. Um, you know, they're not going to put you all over the Internet. They're gonna, not going to put you all over the news. Um, so, you know, your anonymity to 95% of us groups out there is our number one concern, that and your safety and your care. Um, if you are having these problems, uh, don't be afraid of the persecution. You know, you don't have to tell people at work, but definitely get online. You know, search for groups that are in your area, or if you need to, please get in contact with us. We can talk you through the problem. We can help you out. Um, it's not that big of a deal. You know, you're going to have the people that don't believe. You're going to have the skeptics. And, you know, unfortunately, it's like me. I was a skeptic until I had my first experience. And that's the way it goes, you know. Just uh, don't think that you have to fight it alone. Um, I've actually uh, heard of cases where the paranormal activity had been so bad and nobody believed them, and yet they had all this proof that they actually committed suicide. So, you know, and none of us want that to happen. All of us are here to help, you know, and it doesn't matter about your religious background. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if, if you prefer to have... Uh, a sage cleansing. There are plenty of, of Wiccans out there that that know how to do it and do it very well. You know, if, if you're Christian or Catholic, there are plenty of Christian and Catholic groups out there that that know how to do things and and can do it pretty well. You know, um, pagans, pagans that use the crystals and things of that nature. You know, there, there's several different groups out there for anything that you need and any of your beliefs. So you're not in it alone. Don't think that just because you, you know you you have a different belief that you're not going to be able to get any help because that's not the way it is. Okay. And, uh, well, you've been a great guest. Thank you for coming on. And um, you're, you're full of a lot of information, so I'd love to have you on again. Absolutely. Anytime you need me, man, just get a hold of me. And, uh, well, thank you. And uh, everybody enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day. And uh, I want to thank all our uh, men and women who were brave enough to go out and Defend us in our country. So, uh, and thank you for being on today. Anytime, my pleasure.